Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Welcome to Dominion Sonship Live again today. And we do have a message, which is pretty amazing. Every Sunday there's a message. And uh, we have a title to this message. And we allow the Holy Ghost to fill the messages he always does. He's faithful to bring forth utterance. The title is, The Rest of Faith is Our possibility the rest of faith the rest that faith only provides faith provides a rest and in this rest there is possibility in the rest of faith there is possibility you cannot enter into the promised land of the word of god with unbelief you cannot enter the promises of God and situate yourself and become a living epistle of Christ with unbelief. And so faith offers you possibility. And that is the possibility of the word of God. That when you allow the word to talk to you, when you allow the word to mutter his divine reality to you, when you allow the word to persuade your heart and to convince you and drive out the stubbornness of man, which is called unbelief, then we can enter into this rest. What is this rest? This rest is the Lord Jesus Christ, the finished work of God. The way he cried on the cross with his last breath, it is finished. It is finished. All striving of men toward God, all earning of salvation, all, all um, pressing into, into peace, to be one with God or to have a to have a, a persuasion of oneness. All of that work is done and finished in Christ so that now you know you are one. Now you know you are loved. Now you know you have been accepted in this finished work because of the sacrifice of Christ. And so why is there passion when I communicate this? Because really at the end of the day, all doubt and unbelief comes against this persuasion of faith. To steal rest, to steal confidence, to rob you of your assurance, to make you doubt the word of his love towards you. That there is a, a place of constant and continual persuasion that we are to, to go from glory to, to glory, from one level of this divine transformation of assurance of the word of God. We are ever growing in the stature of persuasion, in the stature of faith. Never to stagnate, never to just park and, and take a deep breath and say, I got it now. Now I got it. Now I know it all. Now I'm in rest forever. Now, now, and before the day is over, the enemy has taken your gaze onto a, an issue and you're out of rest. 
We're never to be prideful regarding the things of God. We're never to have this, this cocky attitude that just because I read the word a few times in my life, I know the word. We're never to have this prideful heart towards God where we, we have our own opinion that we know better than when he says to us, trust me, child. So the constant struggle, the striving in the mind of man to ascend into something when we already have it all. To be able to still ourselves and recognize it is finished. The fight is over. And so let's go where we started a few weeks ago, and it's in Mark chapter, chapter 4. Actually, sorry, Mark chapter 2, verse 27, not chapter. Chapter 4 was the, the disciples in the storm. We're not going to look at that today, but um, Mark chapter 2, we'll take a look at Jesus in verse 27, speaking to the Pharisees when they were persecuting him, when they were doubting him, when they were accusing him. And that is what it looks like not to believe Jesus. It is to accuse the word of God. It is to doubt the word of God. It is to, to separate yourself from the word of God and to think you have this this lofty position to question the word like you know better than. That's what the Pharisees did, did to the word of God and being the word of God, Jesus. And so he's responding to them, to them saying, it's not lawful what you're doing, Jesus. Word of God, what you're doing in my life, it's not lawful. Stop it. Word of God, it's not lawful for you to talk to me a Sabbath day rest when I need to work, 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 work. It's not lawful, Jesus, for you to convict me of my doubt and unbelief when this is all I know. It's not lawful, Jesus. Isn't it amazing? how we can actually identify with the Pharisees in this moment. Anytime you're accusing the word of God of not being right towards you. Anytime we accuse the word of God of being harsh, of being truth that convicts us, we're acting out of this prideful position. And so they were accusing Jesus of plucking grain, grains, him and his disciples on the Sabbath day and eating it. And so Jesus gives them a little Bible lesson. Have you not heard? Have you not heard what the word has spoken to you? That he loves you. Have you not heard that he is for you? Have you not heard that as he was with Jesus, so is he with you now? Have you not heard? 
that you're born out of this incorruptible seed of the word of God and you perish not anymore. So why are you afraid of perishing? Have you not heard, he said to them, and gave them the story of David going and eating the show bread. And so right after that, in verse 27, Jesus says to them, the Sabbath was made for man. Rest was made for man. All that God did and entered into rest on that seventh day was made for man. How amazing when you read creation, all of it was made for you. All of it was made for you. That he could enter into this finished work in this rest just for you. That you have a benefit. That you now have a possibility to enjoy your life because it is finished. That you now have a, a potential to walk out all that he has done for you because it is finished. You don't have to strive to earn it, but you now enjoy it because he has freely given it to you. This is the possibility of faith. It has been freely given to you. But what, what happens is we, we, we stagnate in the mind renewal game. We don't want to be engaged with the mind renewal. Because flesh doesn't want to die. Unbelief wants to sprout its own seeds of corruption. And so he said, the Sabbath was made for man. Rest is made for you. How, how tender and how loving and how kind is our God. And not meant for the Sabbath. You can't earn rest. And how, how upside down it is in the world. You work, 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 work for two weeks vacation. <laughs> you work, work, work for two weeks vacation. You work, work, work for two weeks a year vacation. You work, work, work for two years in a year vacation time. They can grow up to maybe four weeks. And if you work with the right kind of an entity, five weeks. But you work for rest. But in the kingdom of God, rest is given to you without the work. But from this place of rest, now you work. You work from a place of rest because he has given you rest. From here you move out. And you allow the Holy Ghost to do the greater works through you. Why? Because you're in this perpetual rest of God. You have ceased from your earthly labor of figure out, of trying to connect the dots, of, of trying to, trying to be really astute with every area of your life and to be diligent in every little thing and to, and to just, what is it, dot the I and cross the T and, and at the end of the, Day, do a big sigh of relief. I, I think I did. Oh, no, I forgot one thing. I'll do better tomorrow. 
When God says the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man, and who is the Son of Man? The Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God, is a Lord of the Sabbath, is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Word of God is a Lord over the Sabbath. The Word of God is Lord over the Sabbath. Let's go to Hebrews 3. We have been inching our way to Hebrews 3 for the last little bit. Thank you, Father. If we go to verse 7, chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, so today, 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 if you hear his voice, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, they tried me, and so my works 40 years. Therefore, my dear, they saw God's work for 40 years. They saw God's work for 40 years. And they failed to enter into the rest that his work provided for them. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray where? In their heart. They always go astray where? In their heart because they did not allow this work of God. This, this completeness of his word that he said you will enter into the promised land. God gave him a finished word. The word of promise, promise was sealed with an oath. He swore by himself. It was a done deal. All they had to do is walk and enter and abide. But no, no. Their heart was stubborn. They knew better than God. They're a giant in the land. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, you can't live with giants. That want, Giants are not going to share anything with you. They're going to make you their slaves. What is the giant that's talking to you this lie today? Is it the amount of finances? Is it the amount of help? Is it a family situation? What giant is calling out your name and taunting you and harassing you this morning? Shut it down. Do not stray in your heart from this persuasion that God loves you and that God has finished the work for you so you can enjoy it. And so they strayed in their hearts. And that's why the word is made for your heart. Faith is of the heart. The word of not, is not made to just sit in your mind, in your head, in your head, that you, you have this mental ascent of, 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 of breaking down this verse and that, and just mental conversation about the word in the Bible. 
Are you living it out? Are you living out the persuasion of truth? Are you submitting to the oracles of God? Are you submitting? Are you cultivating a tender heart? Are you being submissive to the lead of the Spirit? Are you willing to, to, to lend a ear to the Word of God on a daily basis and allow Him to wash you, to wash away the debris of doubt and unbelief? This causing your heart to go astray. And look, why did they go astray? Because why? They did not know his ways. They did not know his word is truth. They did not know he's a faithful God. They did not know that when he said, I've given you the land of promise, I've given you the land of Canaan that flows with milk and honey. It is for you. You you go in there and you wouldn't have to build. You wouldn't have to dig wells. It's there for you. They did not believe him. Oh my. What are we not believing God today? I look and I read and I, I meditate. I'm like, Lord, I know it's not. The Bible talks about that the, these stories of the Old Testament were written for our admonition. Lest we be found, Paul writes the Corinthians, in the same wickedness of unbelief, of disobedience. But now the stakes are higher for us in the body of Christ. Why? Because Christ died. His body was broken. His blood was shed. So we have the confirmation, this oath of God for an assurance. That Christ came as a surety of a better covenant based on better promises that he now lives in us. There is no more separation between God and I. That that wall of separation is broken forever through the cross of Christ. No excuse for doubt and unbelief. And so it angered God. Their perpetual disbelief, their unwillingness to change their heart. Their stubbornness of being stuck in unbelief and excusing it. We're going to die in this desert. You never provide for us. You never provide for us. We're always thirsty, always thirsty. What a lie, what a lie, what a lie they believed. God always provided for them. Not a feeble was found in their midst. Their shoes did not wear out. Water was given to them. Matter every day. Quail landed in their camps. And yet, they, they were never satisfied. They wanted to go back to the slavery, the yoke of unbelief, Egypt. To eat the leeks of unbelief and the malons of doubt. A servitude to Satan. That's what, that's what, that's what unbelief does. In the same manner how the word of God, cultivating our heart into submission to God, allows us to serve God. Well, doubt and unbelief is the word of Satan. 
that is cultivating our heart to be in rebellion to God and in servitude to Satan. That's what doubt and unbelief is. And so often we catch ourselves in conversations with, with brothers and sisters in the Lord that we love. And, 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 and so often, and I'm sure some, some of the times, me, myself, I've excused my unbelief. I've excused my doubt. Why? I have a right to it. You don't have a right to it. In Christ, you only have a right to life. His word is life. And then in verse 12, so in 11, God says, so I swore in my wrath. Isn't that amazing? After God had swore a covenant to Abraham. He was going to give them the land of Canaan. Over 400 years prior. In his wrath, his work. They shall not enter into my rest. And we know only two. Only two, not even Moses. Only two. Joshua and Caleb from that generation walked in. Oh, my dear. Well, it's exciting in a way that if I don't quit and I keep believing his word, I will walk into everything he's obtained for me already. But on the other hand, there's a sobriety in the message. That only two walked in. And they faced the same adversity. They saw the same giants. They, they, they also ate of the leeks of, uh, and, and the melons of Egypt. They, they had to walk through the desert. And yet they always followed the lead of the Holy Ghost that came as a pillar of fire or clouds by day, fire by night. All had seen the works of God and only two believed. Only two believed. So let us not get too cozy with unbelief. It's costly. My title that he gave me is the rest of faith is our possibility. Well, I can say the unrest and doubt and unbelief causes in your heart is your impossibility. So who makes it possible? And that's why the word of God doesn't just say that all things are possible to God, that we just like to quote, nothing is impossible to God, but Jesus goes a little further and a little deeper. Because we, he knows we strain our hearts. It's not God's issue. It's our heart issue. What does Jesus say? All things are possible to those who what? Believe. To those that don't swerve away from God. To those that have a loyal heart to the word of God. That's your rest. Your loyalty to the word is your rest. The loyalty you have to God in the word. How do we even have a gauge or a measure? I'm faithful to God. I'm loyal to God. How? The only way is, is in the submission to the word of God. Not in the goosebumps. And in, in, in the thrill of a corporate uh, moment of worship, which I love that. I love that. But I tell you, the gauge of loyalty to God is, are you a doer of the word of God? And that's why Jesus says, if you love me, do what? Do my commandment. 
And James goes a little deeper. Don't be self-deceived. Looking at a mirror, which the word is the mirror, and you walk away and you forgot what you look like. Just a mere hearer, but not a doer of that which you hear. That's why he says in 12, verse 12, Beware, brethren. He's writing to us, the brethren. Not to the heathen, but to the brethren. Beware. Beware. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. A heart of unbelief is not a kind little heart where God's concerned. A heart of unbelief, God calls it an evil heart. Oh, no, not me, not me, not me. God, God gets me. How can I not doubt in this situation? How can I not doubt in the circumstance of how can I not doubt? God wants too much for me. How can I believe this? We don't have an excuse. We've strayed in our hearts away from God. He says, beware, which, which means there's a consequence. And we know there's a consequence. Paul talks about the bodies of, of those Israelites being strong in the desert. I didn't think it was going to be a tough message. A little bit tough, a little bit tough, a little bit tough. But you know what? We have to gauge our lives according to the word of God. And we do have to, I mean, Paul talks about it Timothy, uh, to Timothy. Um, Peter talks about it, to be vigilant, to be sober, to be accountable to the message that has been entrusted to us. To Thessalonians, Paul writes as well. What about the book of Jude? There's nothing, there's, there's, there's nothing sweet and tender in the book of Jude. The book right, the book right before the book of Revelation. Don't depart. From this place that you have in Christ. Keep your bold. Don't be like those angels and a third of them lost their bold, followed Satan. Keep your bold in the word of God. Keep your bold in the heavenly places. Keep your bold. Continue to abide in his word. The way of brethren, lest there, there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, in departing from the living God. I, I have really read this often and I, and I've broken it down for my own benefit. And what I do in this moment is like, I tie it with about straying in my heart away from God. Is straying away from God is departing from His Word. When I have a different formulation of a thought that does not fully line up with the Word of God. And at that moment, it's a stronghold because I'm really protecting it. I'm really guarding. That's why it's a stronghold. But exhort one another daily while it's called today. And so the way that we, the way that we do not depart, the way that we do not uh, go astray in our heart from God is by believing, by having a heart of belief, by walking in faith. And when you walk in faith, all things are possible. All things are, there's nothing, there's no such thing of someone being in faith and believing that it's impossible. There's absolutely no such thing. Whenever you meet someone that's fully persuaded by God, there's no impossibility in their thoughts. 
because the word has fully persuaded them. They have allowed the word to communicate truth to them in a brand new reality of possibility. And that's why the title back, The Rest of Faith is Our Possibility. And so we to encourage one another to stay in faith, lest any of you be hardened through a deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin. That's the entry to that is the flesh. It's what the lust of the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, right? That's how we partake of the deceitfulness of sin. But look what we're to partake of. Verse 14. For we have become partakers of Christ. If. Isn't that amazing? He puts a condition. If. Yeah, it's, it's a tough message. Because it draws a line in the sand. And you decide on which side of the if you are. Whether you're partaker of the lustfulness of sin. And whether you you fellowship with that or whether you're partaker of Christ and you only fellowship with those that are partakers of Christ. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. Let's go to verse 18. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter into his rest? To whom did God speak this? He spoke it to the ones that he took out of Egypt. He spoke it to the ones that he said to them. That he's given them the land of promise. But they, they chose repeatedly, repeatedly to harden their heart. Repeatedly, it's not one time, two times, three times, four times. Repeatedly, could actually count the times tells you how many times in the Old Testament they chose to disobey Him. Repeatedly, He was angry with them for forty years. The very ones that He led out of Egypt through Moses by Moses, and so nineteen, and so we see that they could not enter in. Why? Because they didn't work hard enough? Why? Because they refused the rest of faith. They refused to believe the word of God. They refused to believe the word of God. How did they refuse to believe the word of God? Because they strayed in their hearts. Because their confidence was not in that which God has spoken to them. But their confidence was where? The deceitfulness of sin. Which came how? Through the lust of the eyes. They saw the giants. And they greatly feared the giants. They trusted their senses. The lust of the flesh. They were afraid for their lives. And the pride of life, we know better than God. We know better than God. We can't take this land. This land is a giant's land. So we see, so there's something for us to see, that they could not enter in because of what? Unbelief. Because of unbelief. And so chapter 4, Therefore, since 
A promise remains. The door is open, wide open to enter in the promise, to step in a finished work, to trust that which he says to you today. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear. That's why he says, beware. Let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you have been sealed. Don't grieve the one that loves you by not believing his word. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. What do you mean? I thought God was sovereign. I thought everything was up to God. Why didn't he take them in the promised land if he already said he was going to? It's God's fault. It's always God's fault. Never my fault. What is God going to come through for me? How comes I don't get my breakthrough? You see, all of it is unbelief. All that it's telling us is that we have strayed away from God, from the living God, and have believed a dead lie. Verse 2 is the answer. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word that they heard did not profit them. Why? That did not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. In their heart they rejected it. Maybe in their mind it sounded very good. Yeah, rah, 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 we're going to eat something we didn't sow for. We didn't plan. We're going to live in mansions. We didn't have to build rah, rah, rah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flesh. But in my heart, I know that's an impossibility. How am I going to go in a land that I don't, I don't know? That's someone else's house. That's why they murmured in the tents at night. Because that's when you really get quiet. And what do you believe comes out at that moment? Because your guard's down. They did not believe God. And so that which he said to them did not profit them. I love that about God. God is not cheap about his words. God is the perfecter of our faith. His word is already perfect. He doesn't have to prove his word to us. He's already proved his word. How did he prove his word? Did we see Jesus go in the desert? Yeah. Did we see the word withstand every temptation? Yeah. It's proved. Ooh, a revelation to me too. <laughs> so now we believe. And what the proven word does, it's testing our hearts. Testing our hearts. Would we choose to undergo a transformation of a mindset from believing a lie and impossibility, offending for me, myself, and I, or do I yield to the lead of the Holy Spirit and enter into this rest of God, this finished work, and do the greater works that, why? Because they're not my works anymore. I do the works of the greater one that's in me. That's why they're the greater works. They're the works of God, just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. 
doing the works of the Father. And so today we are believing. Today we are believing. We are receiving the instruction of God and we are mixing it with faith. For we who have believed do enter that rest. That's how you enter. It's through faith. And so he goes back to say in three, that so I swore in my wrath, I shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. <laughs> it was all done. It was all done and they couldn't benefit from it. That's grieving. That's grieving to my heart. Although the works were finished from, although God has already preordained your, your life for glory. Already your, your life has been planned out for glory. And yet we can die out in the desert, of, in the desert of doubt and unbelief. And not fulfill the plan of God. Although it was already prepared, finished. From the foundation of the world. We say we're going to be found walking out into every moment that he's already ordained for us. And yes, there is resistance. Yes, we do have an enemy. You know who the enemy is? I mean, leave Satan on the side. It's doubt and unbelief. The doubt and unbelief that we, we allow to live in our heart unchecked. That's the enemy. It's this unwillingness to submit to the word of God. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Let's go to um, nine. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. There, just as, as he said in the opening of chapter 4, it's wide open. It's there. Enter in. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. That's why this message today, because it's wide open. It's still remaining for you to take access, for you to have access into it and to take, and to take advantage. For you to step in and to live it out. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also, has himself also seized from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Let us be diligent. And this is, this is why He's so passionate about this rest. But let us be diligent to enter it in. Let anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. And this is, this is the rest. It's the word of God. For the word of God is living. You're entering into this place of the word. You're entering into a reality that is the word of God that is living reality. The reality of the word of God that you're entering, this rest is a living rest. It is a powerful rest. It's sharper 
than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, that this word, this rest would identify, would identify the struggle of the laboring of flesh so you don't engage in joints of marrow. And he's a discerner. This rest that the word of God provides, it's a discerner. You sit down from afar off and don't partake. You don't partake. You see the deceitfulness of sin. You don't partake. There's a discerner in this rest. Discern of the thoughts and the intents of the heart so you would know the intentionality of your heart at all times. So why? So that you do not go astray in your heart. So you don't depart in your heart from the living God. But this word is your cleaving to the living God. This word is your safety. It's your assurance of oneness with God. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. From his sight, the sight of the word. The sight of rest. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We'll finish at this moment. We'll finish here. That we will give an account whether we entered into the rest or not and why we did not. And the answer will be unbelief. That's the only reason as to why one does not enter. And so today, we will not be of those who would not enter. We will not be of those that will have a stick neck and, and, and are just rebellious in nature. But we are the ones that submit our hearts to the word of God. And this word takes us in, in this living reality of power and dominion called rest. Amen. We're done. We are done.